Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast. We have one final bonus podcast for you this week. It comes from the keynote sessions of our Breakthrough Weekend Conference this past fall. Today we have another great session from Pastor Jonathan Brooker. We shared his first session called New Wine. This one is called New Life, and we wanted to share it with you as well. Here's Pastor Jonathan Brooker. Quite frankly, I am a simple man, and I like when sometimes things are explained simply to me. Yes? Anybody else? I do like sometimes where things are nuanced and complicated, but I often do like when it's just simple and you just kind of tell me like it is. And so one of the things I'm excited about the passage we're about to look at in a second here is that it is explained simply to us what it means. I kind of think of how Jesus at one point is telling a story. He don't, Jesus tells a lot of stories, right? And, and a lot of times his disciples, the ones who followed him and knew him best, were kind of like, so what's that one mean? Because I have no clue. I love their honesty. They're like, I, I literally have no idea. So like the one with the seeds, the disciples are like, lots of seeds, lots of different soils. What's the, and Jesus, okay, let me explain it to you. So Jesus explains that, that passage, and that's really nice. This passage we're about to look at ends with God revealing to Ezekiel the vision that he had just shown him and revealed to him, its meaning. And so we're going to jump to the end of it and then go backwards. Is that okay with y'all? Because uh, as we look at the valley of dry bones and all that, if we don't understand this, um, and I'm just going to be real straight with you because I, I went to four years Bible college and I, I grew up in a lot of church experiences and there can be a lot of scriptures that are really meaningful but get misinterpreted really badly. And uh, I, I don't want to do that with the scripture. I want to know what God meant it to, believe, uh, meant it to mean. And um, fortunately, after the vision, since God explains exactly what it means, we don't need to guess. So here it is. Let's skip down to that uh, verse 11 of Ezekiel 37. Y'all with me? Okay, here we go. Then God said to Ezekiel, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. So we know what the bones that we're going to look at in a second represent. They're the whole house of Israel. Behold, these bones are saying, the house of Israel is saying, our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. You'd think there's a theme going on this morning, right? Our hope is, help me out. Okay, that was, you weren't sure. The answer is lost. So one more time, everybody, our hope is lost. It's a fun thing to cheer, right? Our hope is lost, yeah. Breakthrough weekend, here we go. Um, but that's what they're saying, okay? That's what they're saying. They're, they're, House of Israel saying our hope is lost. Um, we are indeed cut off, and we'll get to that in a minute. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. I could just walk off the stage. God's word is good enough. Amen. I'm telling you, I love preaching passages that just preach themselves. But this vision that we're going to read about now in just a second here is about the house of Israel. Yeah, that's what we just saw. And it's about a promise that God has given to the house of Israel, a promise of restoration. So to do this passage justice, Ezekiel is writing to Israel because they've been taken captive by Babylon and they are living in exile. And they've been wondering, is God is God going to change this story? Or is this kind of the, is this the end of the story? Is this the way this story ends? And, and in this moment, as we're going to see what God speaks to them, I'm believing here in this eerie region that God wants to speak to some of us this morning. Yes? So it's, it's an ancient word, but it's a new word at the same time. And, um, and, and here's the thing, that 
they had already seen him speak this promise to them, and it sounds great. I'll put a, he's what he said, I'll put my spirit within you. You'll live. I'll give you your own land. You'll know I'm the Lord and, and can do what I've said. That is a good word, yes, but a really hard word. And it's not hard because it's like, oh, like suffering and hope go hand in hand. That, that's a hard word. This one's just a good word, but it's still a hard word. And the reason it's hard is because not something that they don't want. It's just something they don't believe is possible. You'll live is what it said, right? They were literally physically alive. That's why they're hearing this. So the you'll live part is not that they're going like, to physically come alive. It's the sense that there's things that feel dead in their lives. And in all reality, they're realists. Anybody, any, any realists in the room? I'm just being real. I just don't think there's any hope for this. And so the Israelite people are looking and going, I'm sorry, I just, I'm being real. I don't see that this could work out any other way. Is there anybody in the room that their circumstances have left them in situations where you can relate at all to what I'm talking about here? Where you've been in situations where you're like, I'm just being real. I think, and maybe we don't even say it. We just kind of live it. We live as though, you know what, it's just, it's very dry. It's very, this is a terribly hard word to really give my hope into because not again, something I don't want, but as we see in verse 11, hope is, you knew the word. Yeah, hope is lost. Hope is lost. It feels like something futile to then expect and hope for that there could be hope again. Because, you know, the scripture says that hope deferred makes the heart grow weary. And 10 years they've been in exile. 10 years they've been hoping that God would go ahead and uh, do something. And it's, I found in my life, it's hard to wait and not grow weary. Yeah? There's, there's plenty of things I don't have the time for right now to go in. I, plus, I don't know you well enough to go into my personal stuff. But there's stuff that I've been waiting for, my wife and I have been waiting for, and, and it just I've waited for in my life periods of time for things that were good things. And, and why is it not coming yet? Again, I know this is unlike many of you in the room, so just imagine what it must be like to, to wish and hope for something that you're not getting right away. Yeah, anybody? So what do we do when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel dismayed, when we feel crushed, when we feel like all hope is lost, when our hope dries up and we feel like the best word might be despair for how we're feeling? What do we do? Well, here's the good news I have for you all this morning. Regardless of what we may do in our different circumstances, here's what we're gonna see. We're gonna see what God wants to do. So you and I, we can choose this morning. This is how we're gonna engage God's word, okay? We can choose to get on God's path and do things with God. Um, but regardless of what you and I choose, I'm excited that in this passage, we see what God wants to do. Are y'all ready? Are y'all ready? Let's go back to the beginning of this passage. In verse one, the hand of the Lord, Ezekiel says, was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. This is a prophetic vision. He's not literally transported, but he is prophetically all of a sudden in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. Full of bones, okay? Let's set the scene. There's this valley. It's this kind of like open, not pretty valley because there's bones everywhere and all that. And then he led me around among them and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold, they were very dry. Y'all, are y'all willing to help me preach this morning? Because we're ending breakthrough weekend's main session kind of right now. So I mean, we've got like the, the, the end session thing afterwards, but we got breakouts in between that too. But I just feel like we're kind of driving this thing home. So here we go. And they were very dry. Okay, and he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, because I'm not stupid, oh, Lord God, only you know, <laughs> right? I love that about Ezekiel. He's just like, I mean, I don't want to say no, 
but also I'm not like naive. Okay, anyway, so he says, oh Lord God, only you know. Then God said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Hear the word of the, we're going to get back to that too. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I'm the Lord. So Ezekiel says, I prophesied as I was commanded. It's a good idea. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the... It's going to come back later, too. O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. The original audience that Ezekiel was prophesying to were clearly despairing, because this wasn't, these weren't just bones, they were dry bones. And they were, in fact, very dry bones. And in fact, it says in the one verse that they were slain in the valley. So these bones had been dry and very dry because they had gone ahead and uh, they'd been slain. They'd been in a battle and they'd lost the battle. Sheesh, this is a devastating situation that we are being, haven't been painted before us. And, uh, and this is true for Israel because they'd watched as their armies had been um, defeated, their city had been destroyed, and the temple that Solomon had had built in glorious splendor was suddenly torn down in squalor. And so devastation was absolutely the word. Despair, hopeless, yeah, yeah. And God's prophetic encouragement to his people thousands of years ago can still, I believe, encourage his people today. Because what does God do when, when all of a sudden despair is everywhere? There's three things that God does, and it just works. I mean, pastors like to preach three-point messages sometimes. Here we go. Three things that God does. The first thing that God does is God speaks. Because he first speaks to Ezekiel, and he asks him, can these bones live? And like I said, Ezekiel not wanting to be naive, like, oh, yeah, totally, like a, a middle schooler on a, a, you know, a um, youth camp retreat, like faith through the roof. Like, like Ezekiel's kind of like, I, I don't know, but you know. God, you know. So he goes ahead and says, God, only you know. So what does God do in that moment when all of a sudden there's a little bit of faith in the room? Ezekiel's like, well, God, you know if it's possible. God then speaks words to Ezekiel to prophesy. And words start restoring what was dead. Because notice in the, in the scriptures, if you're looking at it, it says that um, the word to the, peop- to the bones was dry bones. Now hear the word of the Lord. So the, the instruction to the dry bones themselves was not like, hey, get up off your, um, off your bones, get up, get up and try and, and muster the strength. It's just hear the word of the Lord. Hear what God is speaking. There is a restoration power in the words of God. Yeah? God is able to say, in me, you are a new creation, and it's true because God said it was true. And God can say, I am making all things new, and so everything in you can be made new because God said it's true. And it can be true because God's words have power. I wish some of y'all would preach with me this morning. Okay, I'll go. Okay. God's able to say of any situation that he can work it together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose because God's word is powerful enough to make it true. Yeah? 
God is able to say, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, and he will uphold you because his hand is righteous and his words are powerful. God can say, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you, and no matter how you or I can feel in that moment, he has not left us, and he has not forsaken us because his word says so, and his word is powerful. God can say, in this world, you will have trouble, and we cling to that promise. Come on. Write that on a mug. Mm. My God has said, and I, I'm, I'm standing on it, you will have trouble. But we, we know that verse doesn't end that way. But Jesus says, you're going to have that, but don't worry, I've overcome the world. And so no matter what trouble you and I deal with, it's okay, because you know what? At the end of the day, he has already won. How do we know? Because he said so. And when God speaks, those promises are yes and amen, because God is not a man that he should lie. And he's not one who speak, speaks flippantly. Instead, he speaks faithfully. And I'm preaching mostly to myself today. So thanks for joining me here in Erie. Because I, I needed this in Fredericksburg as well. Just the, the season I'm going through. I needed to know that God's words are not situationally um, specific. In the sense that like, well, um, maybe it's true today, but I don't know. Maybe it's not true today. God's words are faithful. No matter what. So what he promises, he will do. If you want to experience new life in your life, deep, dig deeper and deeper into God's word. I know, I know pastors and preachers are always saying, get in your word, but seriously, if some of you are looking for a, I need a word from the Lord, how many do you want? There's a lot. He's already spoken. I'm not saying he doesn't still speak, but he's already spoken. And I'll tell you this, if you want to lead worship, lead worship based off of this thing because it'll be much power, more powerful because it's his words, not words, your words. If you want to speak the gospel to friends and family and neighbors and you want to see the gospel move forth in, in your school or in your workplace, make it not just your words, make it his words because they're more powerful. Your testimony is powerful, but his words are also powerful. And here's the thing. If you and I want to go ahead and, and really have faith in our lives that really moves mountains, yeah, then we need to recognize the certainty of what we see is not as significant as the certainty of what God said. I'll say it again. The certainty of what we see, because Ezekiel's looking, he's going, nah, I just, mm. that's a lot of dry bones. And they're very dry. <sighs> But the certainty of what we see is not as significant as the certainty of what God said. So I, God, give me faith to believe you at what you say, to take you at your word. So let me ask you here, church, brothers and sisters, what words are you holding on to in this season? What words has God spoken? Are they from God? Are you hearing from God? And are you living in a faith that really believes that when God speaks, there is power in it? Amen? But the good thing is God speaks, and that's not all God does. The second thing God does is God assembles. Because you got to get the leg bone connected to the knee bone, the knee bone connected to the thigh bone, the thigh bone connected to the hip bone. Now, now hear the word of the Lord. They knew it. Yeah, okay. You can tell who went to Sunday school as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, right? That's, that's funny. Y'all, can I just tell you a story? And this is like not one of those pastor stories where you fib the truth a little bit. Not like pastors do that. I'm just saying. Like this one's, there's no, there's no, this is true. I'm in Fredericksburg, Walmart. Now how many of y'all know Walmart is where you see and experience some of the craziest of crazy anyway? Yeah. I don't know what it's like in Erie. I can only imagine. But anyway, I will just say, Walmart. Now, here's the thing. It was like after 10, it was after 10 p.m. Yeah, y'all know exactly. I just want to give you a second. Because like, Walmart's crazy generally. 
But after 10 p.m., you just don't know what's going to happen. So I'm walking in there to get some milk for my cereal for the next day. Um, and all of a sudden, it's not like super loud, but I'm hearing over the loudspeakers, the leg bones connect. Now hear the word of the Lord in Walmart. Like I'm hearing a Sunday school song played over the speakers in my Walmart. And I thought that is just wild, isn't it? To hear a Sunday school, I guess, in liberal Fredericksburg, Virginia. Come on now. Like, I was just blown away. And I'm like walking around and I'm talking to different people. Now hear the word of the Lord. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not doing that. But I just, I thought it was so weird. But even wilder than a Sunday school song being played on the speakers of Walmart is how God will connect such incredibly different parts of his body to each other to go ahead and perform a miracle. Right? to do a special work in the world that God will combine so many different parts. We don't all need to be femurs. We don't all need to be vertebrae or all skulls because God will take all the different bones, all the different parts, and he needs the whole body of Christ represented. And God desires to assemble a diverse group of people together. Yes? He wants to go ahead and, and, and bring a diverse group of people together to go ahead and bring more worship to the singular name of Jesus. And so we come in, in, in all of our different places and pieces. In fact, did you guys notice, I had you all say it, but did you guys notice where the, the wind came from? It was the four winds. That's, that, we could breeze past that, but you know what's really interesting? Israel may have thought in that moment that God was talking about, he's going to bring them from dispersion because they're going to be scattered all over the world, and, and God's going to bring the Israelites, the Jewish people, from dispersion together. But the greater plan that God is alluding to in Ezekiel, because Ezekiel is one of the prophets that really does the most prophesying about what Jesus was going to do in the new covenant. Yes? All right. Well, if you don't know that, now you do. Okay, anyway. Um, here's what Jesus says about these four winds. Look at Matthew 24, 31. And God will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. By the way, who's saying this? Jesus, right? This is the word of Jesus himself. And they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. And then you just skip back a few verses to verse 14. If we're trying to figure out, okay, what is Jesus talking about with these four winds? Jesus says, this gospel of the kingdom, the good news of Jesus, will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to Oh, come on. And then the end will come. God has a vision that his body, the scattered bones, are going to come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. That every tribe and every tongue and every people and every nation will get to worship. Will get to worship Jesus. They'll get to know. They'll get to know that, you know what, that tribal God or Allah or, or you know, the um, Buddha is not as supreme as Jesus. They'll get to know there's freedom in the name of Jesus, that he died on their behalf for them. And I'm so excited about my breakout session this afternoon where I get to dig into the new way to see the world. But I'm telling you this, it is to God's glory that all nations and all people groups would worship Jesus. Because all the world is God's. And he's looking for a wind to rise up from every nation and every people to breathe new life into old dry bones. Because Jesus is worthy of being worshiped in every tongue and every language. Jesus is worthy of worship from every image bearer of his on this earth. Jesus is worthy of worship from the variety of people that live here in this eerie area. Oh, that was your moment, really. That means the neighbor that looks different than you, that votes different than you, that talks different than you, is still worthy of worshiping Jesus. And Jesus is worthy of that worship. And so, as different parts of the skeletal structural structure were assembled by God on a valley floor, it was a picture of a future people that would be pulled together by the bond of Jesus. 
It was prophesying even about how Jesus would pull us together, that we would choose to unite and be for each other and not against each other because Jesus deserves a unified church here on this earth, here in Erie. And that's why I love that what this heart of this, this even weekend is, is churches coming together being the church because Jesus deserves not spattering of churches here and there that are all kind of bickering and complaining and competing against each other. He deserves a unified church that is his bride excited for him to come back. Come on. And that then as, a, as we're unified, because what did Jesus say that was going to go ahead and be one of the greatest examples to the, the lost and dying world? How we love each other. How we're unified. How we're not kicking each other, the body kicking the own body. No, we, we, that is why it's important that you and I value the infrastructure of community, accountability, the various giftings and callings that God will give to his church in different times, the five-fold ministry that God has given his church to operate in. But here's the thing, that's not where the vision finishes or ends in Ezekiel, nor where it finishes and ends today. Y'all ready for the third one? Because here's the thing, God speaks, God assembles, but then God breathes new spirit life because the body needed breath. Doesn't Ezekiel's vision kind of make us think of the first creation story? Because when you think about it, and I, by the way, I just got to let you all know, I've been working on this message for a while, but I got to practice it yesterday on my nieces and my brothers, uh, you know, in their kitchen. I was like, all right, now here's the thing. The body needs breath, right? Come on. So I, I'm excited about the fact that, that when you think of it, it kind of pictures back to Adam. Because I asked my niece, I said, hey, how did Adam get created? And God pulled the dirt together. So God's playing in the mud. My kids, my nieces love that. Like, yeah, playing in the mud. Let's go ahead. But the, the body has been formed, but it's not operating until God breathes life into it. Right? Adam is standing, but he's lifeless. The structure needs spirit. And what's cool here, because I geek out on these kinds of things, and some of y'all, I asked you yesterday, you said you do too. If you look into like the original language, in this case Hebrew, and the words that are used in there, there's a word named ruah, and we're all going to learn a little Hebrew today. So say ruah. Ruah. It, it means spirit, wind, or breath. So in Ezekiel 37, there's going to be moments where it talks about the four winds, ruah. And the spirit brought me to this place. He starts it off with, guess what? Ruah brought me. And, and then you need to breathe life into these bones, bru, you know, ruach. So the ruach just keeps on showing up no less than 10 times in that passage. And it's much like Jesus explains to Nicodemus what it looks like for someone who's been born again. John 3, 8, he says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The structure is stuck unless the Spirit blows through and mobilizes it to move forward. Is that maybe why Jesus told the disciples? Right after, right after I've ascended, and you, got, you guys got the, you got the word, you got the mission, you got the, you got the, you're assembled, now go. He doesn't say go. He says, wait. You've got the word. He's spoken. You've assembled. That's great. But you got to wait until you have the wind. You got to wait until that breath goes into you. Waiting for what? You're waiting for the, the Spirit of God to fall on them, fill them, and then fuel them to operate fully as He designed them to operate. That's what the first century world needed to know, you know, needed then, right? And no more or less the 21st century world needs a spirit filled church that can help bring hope to a hopeless people. Because Ezekiel said that he eventually saw an exceedingly great army. And I do think that the, we can get into danger if we lean too heavily into a militaristic view of church. I'm just saying, I think if we get 
too heaviness. He's getting an army and all. Because what ends up happening is we can start to think and definitely start to act like we are to wage war against the very people that Jesus would have actually broken bread with. We can start to forget that our battle's not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, forces of darkness unseen. But let's not also forget that we are at battle against those forces. Right? You're at battle. You and I, the church is at battle against spiritual forces of darkness that are not taking a break. And you know what? God has said, I need to go ahead and and, and raise up an army that has my word, that has been assembled in unity together, and that I have breathed life into so that they can now operate not in their own strength, but in my strength. Israel was given a prophecy thousands of years ago that God's people would be given new life and new power by his word and by his spirit. And in our world today, filled with dry bones and with despair, filled with what looks like lots of hopeless situations. Yeah? That's what will make the church all it can be, is if we have God's word speaking to us, We are assembling and pulling and uniting together under the bond of Jesus. And we have the spirit breathing life into us so that we can go not in our own strength, but go in his. Because if there will be a people who know that God's spoken and speaks and they know what his word is and they will and they know that God assembles and brings them together and they pursue that unity and they know that God breathes new spirit life and are desperate to be filled with the wind of heaven. Then there's then there's truly no hopeless situation. If that's the case, there is no such thing as a hopeless situation. In that case, y'all with me? Exile holds no power over our hope then. Disappointment doesn't get to determine the level of our hope. Our hope is beyond our circumstances because our God is beyond our circumstances. What we may see is not more significant significant than what God has said. Because when Ezekiel goes and says, you know what, God, only you know, he's not saying it out of a faithlessness. He's saying it out of a faithfulness. God, only you know what can breathe new life. Only you know where life can come out of the most desperately hopeless situations. And so you and I today, we get to listen in on the word that God spoke to his people thousands of years ago. And we get to be encouraged today. Exile doesn't get to keep us because God has kept us. These dry bones, they can be made new again. There can be life that can be poured into this, right? There can be life that can be poured into this new, uh, this old body because God is speaking. Let the people hear. God is assembling. Let us go ahead and come together. God is breathing new spirit life. So what does it look like for us then to believe in faith, whether we see it in our situations? What does it look like for us to really lean into a faith-filled life that says, God, I'm going to take you at your word, and I'm going to declare your goodness. I'm going to believe in faith that you're bringing me to a new state of restoration. What the old is, is not who I am, because the new has come. You said that, and I trust you. And when the new has come, all things are new. So God, I'm believing for tomorrow to be a new day. In our church, in my family, in my life, you can make it new, but you know what, God, you got to breathe new life into me. So would you stand with me this morning? we got to get some new life. 
life breathed into us because God is raising up an army. He's not sufficient. He's not satisfied with looking at us and seeing us just struggle. He wants to see us take new ground in the spiritual realm. So we got to go ahead and do that with our worship. We've got to believe and lift up the name of Jesus because God isn't going ahead and he isn't raising an army so that you and I can look impressive. It's not about me, Jonathan Brooker. It's not about you. He gets to use us so that we can make much of the one name, Jesus. So let's lift up the name of Jesus along with all people from the north, the south, and the east and the west. There will be a day when we look at the throne of Jesus with no hindrance, no sickness, no weariness, and we get to do it fully. But let's practice it today. Let's practice worshiping God along with the nations. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this special bonus podcast. We'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow Erie First on Facebook or Instagram, or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.